Um, is that lovely news? Two new babies born into the church family. And um, I see there's another one of our new little ones here today as well. You're, a, you're, a, you're getting, becoming a pro, mate. Well done. Um, my name is Tim. I'm uh, the pastor here with Victoria and Kiralee. And I've uh, got some good news. We've um, appointed a new pastor for our evening service as well. And so Lani is going to be joining us on Well, you're on staff, so, you know. And she's going to be preaching in a few weeks, so that's going to be great, too. Um, Alright, I just want to show a video of one of, our, one of our young guys, Callum, who you know, one of our young surfy dudes. He is in the Ukraine at the moment, and he just sent a little video to greet us. Out here live in Kiev, Ukraine, it's been some experience being here. It's such a privilege and really humbling being in the presence of such courageous, determined people and people that love the Lord as well and this whole culture. Been shooting a heap of content for NGOs, ministries, and a lot of organizations within the region, helping tell their story on social channels as well, the website, and blogs, and a couple of newsrooms in and around um, the world. Doing all of this has been one of the best experiences of my life, probably the hardest couple of weeks in terms of editing, shooting, and running around with WhatsApp, and linking up with all this crew. They don't speak English, but look, I can barely speak English. I'm not <laughs> Very welcome I just woke up, sorry. I haven't had any sense of coffee yet. But God has really taken <laughs> after the testimonies I've heard of him within the region, up in the butcher region where these guys I'm traveling with are building homes, these tiny homes that they've been prepping the floor for, are simply breathtaking. We serve such a big God and such a good God who has called us to live significant lives for His glory. And I just want to thank you for your prayers of safety. I know a couple of you guys have messaged me already. I really appreciate that. But prayer points moving forward in these last few weeks would just be continuous divine appointments. And the major one is that the body of Christ in the West can continue to mobilize our resources and humanitarian aid for the forgotten towns now of Europe. And one more would be that peace can be brought to the victims of those that have suffered such atrocious things at the hands of the Russians. Love you guys. I'm just here to jump on now. Thank you for your time. But bless you all. Love you all. We'll see you. <laughs> Come live cows in the Ukraine. What's he doing in the Ukraine? Uh, I love our young, our young adults are on fire here in early life. Um, this is a great service, but I've got to say, evening service at the moment, not, it's not a competition, but gosh, they're winning. Um, no, no, not at all. But they really are, like, evening church is just packed and it's just full of heartfelt worship. And so, I just think it's just great to see what God is doing amongst this new generation. I looked around last Sunday and I was like, this room is just full of people in their early 20s who love the Lord Jesus. Yeah. Praise God that we've got these people in church. Alright, so Cal will be back as well. I don't think he's staying in the Ukraine, but he will be back eventually. We are doing a series on God's empowering presence, the Holy Spirit. And thanks for the encouraging feedback. I've been loving this series too. Uh, yeah, we've heard from Pete and Kiralee and um, Chris. Victoria, have you done this series yet? Yeah. Yeah. No. no <laughs> You're still to come. Yes. Yes, that'll be the best week. Um, <laughs> but I love kind of us pressing into the, to the, to the ministry of the Holy Spirit um, amongst us and within us. And, you know, we've looked at how in the Old Testament the, the, the Holy Spirit is promised that He will be poured out on everyone. 
and then in Jesus, he's full of the Spirit, and then at Pentecost, the Spirit is poured out on the early believers. Um, and lots of different topics on the Spirit as well. We've looked at things like life according to the flesh versus life according to the Spirit. Uh, we've looked at the gifts that get released in the church so that we may be empowered to continue to do the ministry of Jesus in our generation. And uh, last week we looked at how the presence of God dwells in the church, just like the glory of God filled the temple in the Old Testament, so the glory of God, His Spirit, comes to be at home in us, the church, today and all around the world. So that was last week, 1 Corinthians 3.16. The Apostle Paul says, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in your midst? The Lord is here. That's what makes church such an exciting place to be. That's why it's so important that we come every single week because you've got something to contribute and, and, and God is here. Um, Gordon Fee, as I said last week, put it this way. God himself, by the Spirit, has chosen to be present in our world in the gathered church. Yeah. Isn't that exciting? That this is where God wants to be. You guys are living stones being built into a spiritual house that will glorify God here on earth. So, last week was kind of talking about the Spirit dwelling amongst us. And then this week is about the Spirit dwelling within us. So today I want us to think about what it might mean for us to be more individually hosts of the presence of God. Uh, particularly, what's the Spirit's role in refining our lives so that we might more look like Jesus and reflect Him to the world? Uh, I got a little bit overexcited, particularly at, at evening service last week. I was like a televangelist chasing some... Anyhow, it was all just happening. Um, but it was this mind-boggling claim that God has come to be present in us, the living stones. And that we become the hosts of His Holy Spirit. Uh, there's just this tension there, isn't there? There's a tension um, in your Christian life. As you begin to walk it out, life becomes increasingly difficult to host both unchecked or unmarked sin and also to host the presence of God. To my mind, one of the sure ways that you know you are a Christian is not that you achieve perfection. I mean, some of you guys are very close. Um, but you know because the battle gets engaged with sin, right? That's how you know God's dwelling within you. Now, now everyone has a conscience but the reality is that the Holy Spirit living in us convicts us of sin and actually wants to empower us towards righteousness, towards a whole new way of living. And the good news is that the Holy Spirit is the one who empowers us and makes it possible. It's possible to overcome sin and to live the victorious life of Christ within us. So today's big passage, and I think we've got it up there on the screen, 1 Corinthians 6, 19-20, continuing on this idea of the Spirit living in us as the temple of God. The Apostle Paul says this, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, 
whom you have received from God. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honour God with your bodies. So let's go through that verse today and its massive implications for us in the church. Now the first proposition that I want to look at is this idea that we have been bought at a price. Talking about the lives we now live, the Apostle Paul says we were bought at a price so that we belong to Jesus who has redeemed us. So it says you're no longer your own. I don't know how you feel about that. But that is the gospel. You might remember our series in Ephesians last year. Uh, this bought at a price language referring to the work of Jesus on the cross. He redeems us from being slaves to sin so that we may become the children of the living God and experience true freedom as his sons and daughters. Ephesians 1 verse 7 says this, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. So you're not your own. You're not your own family life. You were bought at a price. Now the word redemption is not just another synonym for salvation. It's a word that has particular meaning. Our redemption is a particular element of our salvation. Uh, Leon Morris, who is an Australian New Testament scholar, he says, when we, when we think of the word redemption, we think about it in religious terms. But he says, in Paul's day, people thought about it in non-religious terms. Now, the Greek word for redemption is apolotrosis. The verb form of the word simply means to loosen. To loosen. Redeem means to loosen. To be bought at a price means to be loosened from the ownership of one master and come into the ownership of another. So this word apolotrosis would be used to refer to, to the loosening of clothing or to the loosening of a tied up animal, but it particularly referred to the loosening of human beings who found themselves in bondage to another. One of the great desires of the ancient world was to be redeemed. Right? If you found yourself in slavery, if you found yourself in prison, if you found yourself owing a great debt to another, you wanted to be redeemed and loosened from that captivity. Now the word normally referred to a loosening happening through some kind of payment. Someone would pay the price of your redemption, your loosening would come at a cost. So in Him, in Jesus, you have been redeemed, you have redemption through His blood. One of the glorious riches of the Gospel is that we have been loosened. Whatever we are oppressed by, whatever we are captive to, whatever we have become a slave unto, you are redeemed by the blood of Jesus on the cross. Amen? You were bought at a price. And it means you no longer have to answer to the master of sin. You now answer to a glorious master, the living Saviour, Jesus Christ. So the words in this verse in Ephesians 1.7 points us to the human condition, but for the grace of God. Uh, it says the reality of our lives, we're all born in a bondage to sin. 
And unless we are loosened, we will struggle to enter into an experience of being free as a child of God. To be fully alive as a child, we need to be redeemed. So in another letter, the Apostle Paul would say, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. So our redemption from sin comes with the realisation that we need freedom. It's not something that Paul makes up as like a later theological construct. Jesus refers to his mission through this lens all the time. Luke 4, Jesus says, I've come to set the oppressed free. John 8, Jesus says, all who are sins are slaves to sin, but whom the Son sets free are free indeed. John 1, John the Baptist says, seeing Jesus, this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So back to Ephesians 1, 7. Through his blood, through his blood shed upon the cross, that is what redeems us out of our captivity from sin. So we're loosened. No longer can sin hold us captive. We are loosened from the compulsion to sin. We are loosened from the spiritual forces at work in the world. We are loosened from the lies that ensnare the human heart and our minds and the footholds of sin that become strongholds of the enemy no longer hold us captive. Jesus' blood shed on the cross as the sacrificial lamb of God pays the price so that we can be loosened. Are you with me? Alright. Now part of the word redemption is that we now belong to a different master. That's what it means in 1 Corinthians 6.19. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. So we now as a church, individually, we now belong to the only master in this world whose desire is our freedom that we might live whole and holy lives. So it says, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? So like any good purchase, right? The new owner wants to move in, right? Uh, It would be weird to purchase a house and just to never take ownership of what you've paid a price for. Um, When we bought our house, the expectation is that the older lady who sold it moves out. (laughs) Right? And we move in. Right? It'd be weird for us to move in and come out to breakfast and for little old Pam to be sitting in her 90 at the breakfast bench. Right? And that's what this verse is saying. Now that we are no longer owned by sin, but by Jesus, he wants to move into our lives by the presence of his Holy Spirit. And thus our bodies become temples of the presence of God. And so sin has to move out so that God can get in. Amen? Amen. So we host the presence of God. And it's no great mystery then that this new guest in our lives, the Holy Spirit, is going to impact the way that we live. As many of you know, we were fortunate to, we are fortunate to have a studio at the back of our house uh, in Freshwater that was sitting empty 
So it was a privilege that Callum moved down from Byron Bay. He had some spare months. And so he came and moved into our studio. Um, as you saw, he's now in the Ukraine. Uh, but for about two months, Callum, this cool, surfy dude, moved in with us. I've got to say, it was awesome. It was so fun. He's somewhere between like having a third child and a brother. <laughs> uh, he was a very good guest in our home. Uh, he left a few lights on occasionally. Uh, I became my dad going around turning lights off behind him. Uh, but other than that, he was an incredibly good guest. But what was particularly nice was how our kids just loved having Callum around. And he really did become part of the family. I think he ate, ate with us well, every night. <laughs> but I know that's what we signed up to, but there was Callum at the dinner table. <laughs> but we knew his influence was growing on our kids when Lucas started talking like Callum. <laughs> So I'd walk into the kitchen and my seven-year-old son would like look up kind of casually and go, Hey, broski, what's up? <laughs> okay, son. Yeah, <laughs> something was going well. We would just go, Ew! <laughs> So we've been bought with a price. And our bodies have become temples of the Holy Spirit then what's the implication for our lives? Well, we're going to come under the influence of a new house guest. That's why all kinds of good things happen when we become Christians. The Holy Spirit comes to reside within us and His influence from moving into us, purchased out of slavery, into the glorious freedom of the children of God, is that the power of sin begins to weaken within us. And this empowered life of holiness and righteousness begins. See, if you're going to begin to host God, then in our bodies we can't host sin at the same time. That's why Paul says in this passage in 1 Corinthians 6, we honour God with our bodies. And the context of this is verse 18 where he says, flee from sexual immorality. Because our bodies are hosts of the Holy Spirit, it then makes absolutely no sense that we would use our bodies in immoral ways. Okay? And so part of becoming a Christian is we adopt God's glorious plan for faithfulness within marriage and restraint from sexual activity outside of marriage. Remember, we've been bought with a price. So verse 20 says, honour God with your bodies. Now let's be honest, I don't know many people for whom this isn't a real struggle at some stage in their lives. Right? This, this is the hard stuff often of being a Christian. We live in a sex-saturated world and it must feel like everyone's getting the big thumbs up to do whatever they please, whenever they like, all the time. But let me say this, and I really wholeheartedly believe this is a worthy, worthy, worthy pursuit for those who follow Jesus. For not just glorifying Him with our bodies and choices, but also in saving yourselves from the train wreck that promiscuity and unchecked lust leads to. Right? Amen? Yeah. 
Now the context of Paul writing to the church in Corinth was it existed, it got planted into a grossly sinful atmosphere of sexual looseness which continued to make its mark on the church. That's why Paul had to write to them. Yes, they'd become filled with the Spirit of God, but a little bit of the old Corinthian way was still very much at work in their lives. So many of the problems of the church found their basis in the life of the city. Most prominent site in Corinth was the temple of Aphrodite. It was a symbol of lust, which then pervaded the whole city. And in ancient Corinth, the temple maintained a thousand priestesses who amounted to no more than common prostitutes, which men would visit. So the attitude of the city towards immorality involved no condemnation whatever. On the contrary, it was considered to be a normal part of life. Does it sound familiar? It sounds a bit like the city that we live in. My friend Aaron sent me from Vancouver sent me an article this morning. It was written by a non-Christian. But this non-Christian was reflecting on how the sexual revolution has failed particularly women. I mean, I think it's failed all of us, but it's particularly failed women. And this woman was lamenting that the promise of freedom, that hook-up culture and doing whatever you wanted to do, has actually led to the oppression of women in the Western world today. But I love this Tim Keller quote. I've quoted it before. We'll put it up on the, on the slide. He says, The early church was strikingly different from the culture around it in this way. The pagan society was stingy with its money, promiscuous with its body. A pagan gave nobody their money and practically gave everybody their body. And then the Christians came along and gave practically nobody their body and gave practically everybody their money. Amen? That's what we've got to get back to in the church today, right? See, one of the things that amongst many that I am so grateful to God for is the way that He steers our lives towards wholeness and purity. Okay? Your life as a temple of the Holy Spirit should look markedly different and better than those who are still slaves to sin. I sometimes joke as a Christian, you know, part of the reason I feel that I've got money, savings, and money to give away is, you know, being a Christian saves you so much money. You know, if you don't go see prostitutes, if you don't have a cocaine problem, if you don't have an unchecked gambling addiction, if you don't go out binge drinking, if you don't get caught up in get-rich schemes, it's amazing how much money you can save. <laughs> right? I should start a seminar on how to get rich. Become a Christian and get rid of your vices. We're not missing out on any of the fun. The joy of the Christian community and life and the path that we are on is infinitely better than anything the world can offer. Amen. Alright, that has always been the story of revival in the Christian church. Whether it's the early church or St. Francis throwing away his sinful life and going and talking with the animals, that's another story. Or the Great Awakening in the 1870s in the UK or the US. This always comes with this realisation 
of the destruction, destructive nature of sin and then embracing through repentance the victorious whole life that's found in Christ. Let me finish with this. This decade, we're going to be celebrating 100 years since the East African revival began that greatly impacted East Africa. Uh, the church began to flourish, millions of people became Christians, and it led to the conversion of broadly all of East Africa. It can be traced back to this conversation between a British missionary called Joe Church. Now, if, you, if you're born and your name's called Joe Church, you should start a revival. <laughs> all right. And he had a conversation with a Ugandan na- man named Simone Nisabambi. And they were lamenting the nominalism within the existing church. Nisabambi saying that while the non-Christians sin openly, the Christians are just better at hiding it. <laughs> so these two men, they saw God in 1926, I think it was. They prayed and they, they, they read their Bibles and they wanted the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And then revival began to break out. And this great move of God led to much public confession of sin. And people would come and they would empty their homes of their destructive vices and just put them at the doorsteps of church because they wanted to be free and born again in Christ. Stolen goods were returned. Uh, People were reconciled. All the stuff that you think...